Welcome to The Power of Italy with your host, Luisa Potenza. Well, here we are, another Sunday, another episode. You know, I think by now you're aware that we've undergone a name change. We were formerly known as Italia Mia, but uh, the old Italia Mia was unfortunately overused. So I didn't want to confuse people when they went to look for Italian-American podcasts. So we changed the name to The Power of Italy. You know that Italy is a powerful nation. And I've said this before, but it bears repeating that Italy is considered a major Western power since the unification in 1861. Italy is a member of NATO, and Italy is the eighth largest economy in the world. And Italy is the world's sixth largest manufacturing country. So we are all powerful and all knowing. Viva Italia! Well, today we're going to talk about something that most of you out there are not aware of. I wasn't. Uh, about 15 years ago, when I was undergoing um, trips to Italy, and mainly Basilicata, which is my heritage, we had a lady from California who was rather uh, strange, very knowledgeable, very, very nice person. And the one thing that I admired most about her, she traveled very light. As a matter of fact, she wore the same dress every single day. Yes, 10 days of the same dress. So, you know, she believed in, you know, traveling light, and certainly she did. Well, we were going through Basilicata, and we came upon a monastery, and we entered it. And then it was there like um, a cavernous, sort of like a tunnel, and suddenly I heard chanting, and I thought, where in the world is that coming from? Can you guess? It was the lady, the lady from California, chanting into this tunnel that reverberated, had an echo. It was, it was very, very startling, I'll tell you. Uh, it made an impact on me. So we started talking, and she told me that she has followed the Black Madonna all over the world. That is her aim in life to follow the Black Madonna. You know, there are hundreds of statues and paintings of the dark-skinned Virgin Mary across Europe and all over the world. What is the allure of the Black Madonna? And why is she depicted as black as opposed to the very white Mary known in Europe? Well, the answer lies in the 12th through the 14th centuries when a shift happened in Christian Europe. Cults began emerging that were devoted to Mary and Jesus Christ. Mary became a centerpiece of the Catholic faith. Suddenly, Mary became the deity to which people prayed for miracles, divine guidance, and salvation. Marian icons with black skin began to appear across Europe. These icons were somehow different. They seemed to hold true power. Many historians contend but their blackness was due to years of exposure to the suit of incense, the ash and single marks of candles, or grime from being stored underground. Many were painted black. So why is the Black Madonna so important? And why are people drawn to her? Well, analysts contend that the Black Madonna is the Christian phenomenon as well as a preservation of the ancient goddesses. Black Madonna 
is a symbol of blackness, and darkness is associated with the unknown, the repressed, the shadowy side of life. What we have learned from the emergence of the Black Madonna in the Middle Ages is that people were subconsciously reaching for the image of a deeper, more potent feminine. They were seeking connection with the autonomous goddess. Mary's white purity signifies her chastity, and the Black Madonna's darkness points to her sexuality, while the pale Madonna is depicted lovingly embracing the baby Jesus. The Black Madonna stands alone or holds the Christ child with a noble austerity. The Black Madonna's autonomy is the source of her devotion. There are many, many icons of the Black Madonna all over the world. Yes, in Poland, Romania, Italy, and elsewhere. So if you want to know more about the Black Madonna, I'm certain there is literature out there. It's fascinating to read, and I wish we had time to really go in-depth the Black Madonna. But now you know that she exists and she is revered. Yes, especially by the lady from California. Well, you know what? I'm going to switch gears now. I'm going to give you, I haven't done this in quite a while, I want to give you a recipe, really delicious, for braised pork with olives and pancetta. And I got this, oh, several years ago uh, from Paolo Villoresi. He was the editor-in-chief of the magazine Italian Cooking and Living and years ago, actually this goes back to 2005, there was an Italian culinary center in New York, and I attended it along with my listeners. At that time, I was doing radio, and we went and we had um, a delicious, delicious meal, bar none, I tell you. And we met Mr. Villoresi, who was very... Mr. Villoresi is no longer with us, unfortunately, a lovely, lovely gentleman and well, very, very well-versed in Italian cuisine. And so I have this from the day we went to the Italian Culinary Institute. And give me some time. I'm going to give you this recipe. Trust me, it is molto delicioso. Raised pork with olives and pancetta. You will need four tablespoons of unsalted butter divided, three ounces of pancetta cubed, or you can substitute unsmoked bacon, or pork chops, which weigh eight ounces each, a half cup of black olives pitted and sliced, flour for dredging, two leaves of fresh sage chopped, two sprigs of fresh rosemary leaves only chopped, salt and freshly ground pepper, one cup of dry white wine, one cup chicken stock, plus a little bit more and again, I repeat that if you haven't gotten the recipe down, the beauty of a podcast is you can always go back. Yes, the episodes are posted several months. So if you like this recipe and you'd like to take it down and you want to try it in your kitchen, you can always go back to The Power of Italy and this particular episode and you will have the recipe. Well, here are the instructions. In a skillet large enough to accommodate the pork chops in a single layer, melt two tablespoons of the butter. Saute the pancetta until golden, about five minutes over medium heat. Dredge the pork chops in flour, shake off the excess, and add to the pan. Cook about five minutes per side. 
turning once until golden brown on both sides. Add the sage and rosemary. Cook one more minute over medium heat and season with salt and pepper. Deglaze with the wine. Let it evaporate and add the stock. Simmer the pork for about 20 minutes, turning the chops once and adding more stock as needed to keep the meat moist. Remove the pork to a plate and reduce the cooking juices over high heat. Whisk in the remaining butter and cook one more minute until the sauce is thick. Serve the chops hot with the soft sauce, excuse me. And this recipe serves four people. And this is from the former Italian Color Culinary Center of New York City. It goes back to February 2005, and it was given to all of us by Paolo Villoresi, who at that time was the editor-in-chief of Italian Cooking and Living. Here's one more recipe. Some of you don't know what panna cotta is. That is whipped cream, which is really quick. You'll need four cups of heavy cream, five gelatin sheets, three quarters cup of sugar, three tablespoons of vanilla extract of good quality. You soak the gelatin sheet in cold water for five minutes. You combine the heavy cream, sugar, and vanilla extract in a pan. You bring slowly into a boil and stirring to be sure to dissolve the sugar. And as soon as the heavy cream is boiling, drain the gelatin and add to the pan. Take out of the stove and place the panna cotta in six glasses. Put the panna cotta in the refrigerator for at least five hours. This serves six. This is a molto delizioso dessert. After you make the pork chops, you serve the panna cotta and you will become a hostess with the mostess. Well, that is our episode for today. And of course, I will be back next Sunday with a new episode, probably an interview with my favorite person from Umbria and Rome, Italy. So I look forward to that, and I'm sure you do as well. So until then, I wish all of you tante belle cose. Ciao.